right, all right. Well, hey, we have a very special friend of the ministry. Uh, love Dr. Stan DeCoven. Uh, it's interesting, many, many, many years ago, gosh, in the late 80s, Pat and I were a member of Dr. Ken Chant's church. And Dr. Ken Chant joined with the church that uh, Pastor Stan was uh, leading. And uh, it's kind of a, been a, a history. So he was my pastor, and now I get the pri- privilege, as he affectionately calls me his pastor. I just laugh, of course, because uh, this man is a, uh, he's an educator. He's an author. Uh, He's an internationally known speaker. He's written over 50 books, and he founded Vision International University. It's all over the world, 150 nations, I believe, uh, and counting, and just taking the whole word to the whole word uh, world. Ah, Yeah, I stuck on the word there. Yeah, taking the whole word to the whole world, and that is the vision of vision. And so they are always equipping and empowering folks. And so, hey, let's welcome Dr. Stan DeCoven. He's going to encourage us today. Hey, it is great to be in the presence of God. You know, I was, uh, I received a phone call this way. Is that better? And just command me. I love it. Um, from some dear friends in, in Puerto Rico. Um, one of the brothers that we worked with for many years just passed away. Um, part of a church that had started many, many years ago, but started as a, as a Baptist church. Nothing wrong with the Baptist. God bless the Baptist. And uh, But as, a, as a, a small, tiny church, when they first began, they really had nothing. I mean, it was literally a tiny building they were in. And in the middle of a time of prayer and fasting and troubles that they were having in Puerto Rico at the time, God spoke to the pastor and said, I want you to build me a cathedral that will give me glory. The specifics of it were to build it a thousand seats. Now, at the moment, I mean, they had nothing. They had no money in the bank. And God also told them, build it in one year. The pastor was beside herself, female pastor. and But she said, okay, we'll take it to prayer of God. This is what you want to do. Somehow you'll provide a a miracle or miracles to make it happen. Long story short, within a, a period of one year, they literally were able to build this thousand seat auditorium and by the time they did god had filled the place but the story that was so fascinating to me was how much sacrifice people gave in terms of time and talent and their treasure to see the church be built in that community i mean they they sacrificed their their time and energy to work after work hours on the building i mean god provided everything But they had to be willing to say, Lord, I'll do whatever I have to do to make this happen. I always wonder about people who who are willing to make sacrifice like that, especially in the church. You know, nowadays we're going through some obviously difficult times, but the church has always been in the middle of difficult times. I was thinking of, you know, last week, of course, it was Easter. We were thinking about the resurrection and all that. In fact, of course, every Sunday when we gather together, we're thinking about the death of Jesus. We're thinking about his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, that he's presently seated in the heavenlies, and that he's present with us by Holy Spirit. I mean, you know, we, we celebrate that every week. But I was thinking about the story of the two men that were heading down the, the road to Emmaus. Now, that's in Luke chapter 24. Pastor Pat was in Luke. I figure I'll just stay in Luke. That's all right. 
Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. Now, we're not going to spend time to read it, but let me just tell you the story. Because remember, just before this passage, we see that Christ had been crucified. And as far as these two men that were taking a long walk in a different direction, uh, you know, their Messiah, their hopes, their dreams had been destroyed by the Romans because of the religious leaders of the day. I mean, they had heard rumor that maybe Jesus had been risen from the dead, but they had, they had no basis of real fact that they, they didn't have any real faith in that. And so they were doing what I think most common sense people would do in that kind of situation. They were leaving a place of danger and heading to a place of safety. I mean, the reality was, I mean, all of the disciples were sequestered, primarily back in the upper room. They were hiding out because they assumed that if Jesus had been crucified, you know, they were next. And so they weren't dummies. They, they were hiding out. They were staying away because of their fear, their concern of what might happen to them. Well, these two men, one was named Cleopas. We don't know the name of the other disciple. We just know that they were most likely a part of the 70 disciples that followed Jesus. They couldn't maybe fit into the upper room, so they took off. And they were walking toward Emmaus, which was about a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem. It was a significant town, but it was a place that was not probably affected much by what had happened on the weekend before. And so as they're walking, you know, they're friends. They uh, are talking about what's gone on in their life, the troubles that they're experiencing. You know, one of the, uh, I hear people say, we shouldn't complain. We shouldn't be concerned about where we're, well, we are concerned. I mean, whatever struggles we're going through, God is with us in the struggle. We know that. But it's okay to complain a bit. It's okay to whine, moan, groan, because we do that anyway. We might as well. And so they're doing that as friends. They're friends walking down the road. They're talking about what had just happened. Talking about Jesus, his life. I mean, the miracles. The, they had seen so much of the power of God demonstrated through Jesus' life and and they believe clearly that he was the Messiah, and yet the Messiah has been killed? How could that be? Well, as they're walking down the road, trying to loosen their load, anyway, they're heading in the inner direction toward Emmaus. A third person joins them. Now, of course, we know that that was Jesus, but they couldn't recognize him, maybe because of their sorrow, maybe because of the pain that they were experiencing emotionally, the troubles that they had just experience. Maybe they couldn't see him because of that. We really don't know. We just know that it wasn't clear to them who he was. And like any good friend, I mean, he comes alongside or a stranger, just ask, what are you guys talking about? And Jesus focuses in on their sadness. Why are you so sad? What's the matter with you? God, I no respect. I mean, they were very, very sad. And they began to share with them kind of with a certain amount of astonishment. What, are you, have you had your head in the sand? You have no idea what's been going on? Jesus has been crucified. And he listened to them. And I think he listened to them with some empathy and some warmth and some respect. And I, I don't think he was trying to criticize them. But eventually, after they went on and on and on about their troubles, he eventually 
began to speak into the situation. Hey, you guys don't get it, do you? Don't you understand that it was necessary for the Messiah to die? And he began to open the scriptures. Up until then, their eyes are still closed. They're still not seen. They still don't understand who they're dealing with. And yet, uh, you know, Jesus is opening the scriptures to them. Could you imagine what that would have been like if Jesus himself began to reveal himself through the word? You know, Jesus had to find himself in the word. He wasn't born with a halo around his head. He had to learn about himself from the prophetic words written within the Old Testament scriptures. Eventually, he became aware that, gee, it's going to be Bethlehem. I'm from Bethlehem. Going to be in Nazareth. You know, I live in Nazareth. You know, there ain't nobody else around here that's nearly as Messiah-like as I am. So eventually, he became aware of who he was. And he did so through the Word. You know, we have to find out who we are also through the Word. The Word of God preached. The Word of God as we read, as we study. Well, as they're walking down the road, I mean, they're, they're, they're beginning to have a, a heartwarming. They get a little farther, get close to the edge of the town, and, and the Scripture says that they decided, it looked like Jesus wanted to keep on walking, and they invited him to have dinner with him. Because that was common in that day. I mean, hospitality was very important in that culture. And so breaking bread together, having a meal, sharing this time was, was important to them as a culture. So Jesus agreed he'd be happy to do that. And then they sat down together. And the Bible simply says in the midst of the breaking of bread together, it simply says their eyes were open. And they began, and then Jesus disappeared. Now, we don't know how he disappeared, but probably, poof, you know, I mean, he was there and then he was gone. Kind of like Jesus walked through the door uh, with the disciples in the upper room, and then he was gone. Uh, he had done what he needed to do, and it was time for him to move on probably to the upper room to visit with the rest of the disciples. But anyway, as they sat there in the middle of their meal, suddenly Jesus was gone. And they make this statement, oh, how our, our hearts burned within us as he broke the bread of life through the word of God and how he revealed himself through the breaking of bread. These were obviously uh, disciples of Jesus. They were followers of him, but they didn't really understand all that had happened. It still amazes me today how many people like to argue with the, the, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. I mean, these are absolute facts. There's no other explanation for what happened on Easter Day and prior to that Good Friday through Easter, Jesus died, but Jesus didn't stay dead. He arose. They were unaware of what was fully going on until their eyes were opened. And I I'm, I'm just was thinking about these two disciples. Remember, they were walking in a direction of safety. I mean, it and that was logical. It made perfect sense. I mean, there was Romans and the Jewish leaders. They were out to get every disciple of Christ. They wanted to stop this movement any way they possibly could. And so it made perfect sense for them to go hide, run away, get to some place of safety. But in the middle of that, in the middle of that, Jesus shows up. In the middle of that, their hearts 
are set on fire. And rather than going from a place, staying in a place of safety, they turn and immediately run back in the direction of danger. You know, the fact is, that's what the church of Jesus Christ has done for generation after generation after generation. Troubles come. There's all kinds of troubles that we experience in life. I mean, we're in a time of trouble, and we don't need to deny that. And again, if you whine and moan and groan, although the fact is probably nobody's listening, but if you do, it, you know, that's all right. It's just you need, we somehow need to recognize where Jesus is in the middle of this. It's a time, I think, for the church at large to stop and reevaluate some of who we are and what we're about. I mean, we know we're not about buildings. We've never been about buildings. We're about a message. We're about a message that is life-transforming. It's a message that says the king has come. His kingdom is real. It's in his spirit, and he lives within us, that we have life. I mean, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. I mean, we're dead, but we're alive. And we've been brought to life because we have embraced the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord of all. I mean, to me, one of the most remarkable things about this story is here you've got a couple of Jewish guys having dinner together. I mean, you know, Jews, they never like to give up their food. It's true. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm part Jewish. I can say that. And, and, uh, and, and yet in the middle of their awareness, as Jesus took his place, stepped into his authority, began to break the bread, and revealed himself in the midst of their communion together. Now, it wasn't Eucharist. It wasn't some special meal. No, it was an everyday common meal, a simple time of fellowship. But in the middle of that simple time of fellowship, Jesus revealed himself to them. And I think as believers, we need to find that place. We're in a time where we need to find ways of communing and connecting with each other and reminding each other of the common bread that we experience, the, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ, the, the common blood that we drink of, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, all of those things we need to somehow remind each other that we're still connected. And in spite of the dangers that we find in this world, we are not people that stand in fear to the dangers of this world. In fact, we know that we're not going to stay in the place of safety, but we're going to go as required to the place of danger because we know that God is with us. I receive calls all the time from folks all over the world. In India, they're really struggling. They're looking for help but they haven't stopped preaching the gospel because they know it's the gospel that makes the difference in life. I heard from my dear friend Paul I. He's got wearing the mask, and he's doing all the social things you have to do, and he's out in the bush preaching the gospel, planting churches, raising up leaders. Talked to a dear friend in Kuwait. Yes, they're doing the same thing. The whole place is in shutdown. And he said, you know, the church is growing. 
People are being saved. Lives are being transformed. We're using what technology we can. We do whatever we have to do. But you know what? The message of the kingdom is still the most important and powerful message. And we're not going to allow the greatest disappointments of life to stand in the way of us fulfilling our purpose and destiny in the end. See, when you get the word into you, when you've experienced the living word, it just burns up stuff that doesn't matter. It burns up your fears. It burns up your desires for things of this world. And it places in you a burn to see everybody on the planet hear the good news of Jesus. What we're finding out is that through medium like this, People are being born again. Now they need to be discipled. They need to come to maturity. They need to get their minds renewed and all of that. And, and we need the fellowship of the saints together to do that. And we look forward to the day when this nonsense is done and we're able to gather again. The gathering is going to be precious. The gathering is going to be important. The gathering is going to be an opportunity for us, even as it was for the, the men on the road to Emmaus. I mean, when they left and they ran back to Jerusalem, where they went to was to the upper room, to where the disciples were, to share the testimony of how God had visited them in their journey. When we come back together, the, the, the fellowship is going to be precious. And I hope that you're already longing for that moment, that time when we no longer have to fear, but we don't really have to fear anyway, because we know the one who lives within us. But when we'll be able to come back together and break bread and connect together and share life together. Just amazing. Open eyes. Their eyes were opened, and they were able to see what did they see? They simply saw the revelation that Jesus Christ really is Lord, that God is good, that he's ever-present with us, and that we don't need to fear what the world fears. Their hearts were set on fire, so much so that they did not consider their own safety for the benefit of others. And they began and continued to live out a radical call. Their call was to go to the place of danger. You know, our call as believers is to take the gospel of the kingdom to the whole world. And whether we use media, however we do it, we're still on assignment. And we're still doing the work that God's called us to. And it's all because we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe that he died, but he rose again. He poured out his spirit that lives within us. And we know that the earth is to be covered with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I have no doubt that when we come out of this situation, we're coming out stronger, more powerful, more anointed than we've ever been. Because any time, the church goes through troubles. It comes out the other side, not fearing the danger, not looking for a place of safety, 
but with an even stronger desire to go to the place of danger because we go in the power of Jesus' name. We go in the power of his love. We go in the grace of God. We go under the anointing of his spirit, and we go with a message that transforms lives. So that's really all I wanted to share with you today. I hope this short message isn't too short for you. I know you've got lunch to get to, as do we. And I just really just want to pray for everybody here, and then I'm going to turn it back over to the bishop. Um, God is good. God is good. And he's really with us. Lord, even as you were with the men on the road to Emmaus, they didn't know it. They didn't recognize you. They didn't see you. Sometimes we can't see in the midst of our sadness, our hurt, our fear. We can't see you. We wonder where you are. But you're always there. You're with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And in fact, what you do is come alongside. You listen to our wine, and sometimes you give some cheese with it. But you also, Lord, you give us the word. And in your word, both the living word, you, yourself, but also the written word that you've provided, you give us comfort, you give us strength, you give us wisdom, you give us guidance. Lord, you've spoken to us so clearly. Lord, ultimately, you reveal yourself through the communion, through the breaking of bread, through our fellowship together. And Lord, I believe if, if the enemy has any part in all that we're going through right now is to try and keep your church from gathering together. But even there, he just can't do it. Because Lord, whether it's through technology, however we get to, we are together. We're communing with each other. We're calling each other. We're texting each other. We're emailing each other. We're, 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 uh, we're, we're on Zoom or Skype, and we're, we're talking to each other because we, we vibrantly need and desperately want the connected relationship because we have together the living Christ within us. We have the Holy Spirit. We have a deep and abiding love for each other. Lord, we know we're coming through this, and when we get to the other side, it's going to be so sweet to share some stories of the miracles of what God has done. It's going to be so sweet to share uh, how you've strengthened and blessed and helped so many through this crisis. Lord, we're not ones that are going to hide out. We know that there's places of safety, but, Lord, we are willing, based upon your word, your guidance. We're willing to go to the places of danger. We're willing to risk because you risked everything for us. So, Lord, we bless you and we thank you. I thank you, Lord, for this local congregation. For heart of God, I pray your blessing upon its people, blessing upon its leadership. And, Lord, I pray you continue to manifest your presence in wonderful, unique ways. Uh, throughout the body of Christ. We just thank you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you, Dr. Stan. And hey, thank you to all of you.
Just pray that word just goes deep into your spirit. I just love how he began that, you know what, Jesus had to discover himself in the word. And I pray that you as well will discover yourself in the word. And just as, again, as we fellowship and as we can, that uh, people experience the heart of God. Come on, we get to carry the heart of God. We get to bear it. So again, thank you for joining us. And uh, my prayer is that you just live in continual encounter with the heart of God so that you can also be an encounter for someone else out there in the world that's living in fear, living in bondage, living in lack. Come on, that we can manifest God's heart, God's love. So thank you again for joining us. Watch for our uh, Zoom meetings. We'll have several of them this week, uh, just ongoing, just getting together and having different teaching uh, experiences and uh, coming together. So, so again, watch for that. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. And just remember, keep on just saying yes to the Lord. Keep on just rolling with him because you know what? We're going through, we're coming through, and we're coming out, as Dr. Stan said, coming out much better than we went into this thing in Jesus' name. God bless. Amen.